Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com i'm mick garris and this is postmortem thanks for all of the feedback just to get it out of the way up front you can reach us on twitter at postmortemmg, on instagram at postmortemgram we are postmortem with mick garris on facebook and you can access decades of video interviews for free at mickgarrisinterviews.com Just out of curiosity, I'd really like to know more about you. How do you consume your horror? Our genre is in a consistent state of evolution. And since our listeners represent such a wide range of ages and nationalities, I'm really interested in what draws you to the genre and how you are seduced into the world of horror. It is often said, including by me, that people drawn to fictional terrors are often outsiders, the ones who, like Carrie White, would be unlikely prom kings and queens. But in the mainstreaming of the horror genre, that's not nearly as true as it used to be. Horror is everywhere you look in media these days, for better and for worse. Franchised, spoofed in TV commercials, merchandised, made and remade, handled, packaged, and made palatable for the masses. Do you consume most of your genre films on video? How? On commercial television, VOD, or BitTorrent? Or do you wait for Netflix? And if so, do you watch them on your big screen TV, your tablet, or your phone? Do you buy, rent, or pirate them? Or do you see them in the theater? Do you watch older films, movies in black and white? What are your top genre films, new or old? Do you read horror novels, consume genre graphic novels and comics? What kind of music do you listen to? And does it tie in with the visual media that you like? Let us know on social media. We'd love to hear from you. I've always felt the best way to experience a great horror film is to share it with an audience in the cinema. Fear is contagious, especially in a big dark room with a like-minded crowd. But not always. Some movies work even better in intimacy. A movie like Unfriended, for example, might work even better at home than in a theater. And horror on television has never been better or easier to find, with tons of movies and series based on material by Stephen King available, and such shows as The Terror, Inside Number 9, Black Mirror, Penny Dreadful, Bates Motel, Walking Dead, American Horror Story, and countless others accessible at your fingertips. So let us know. I'd love to hear what makes your dark little heart beat. 
Our guest on this episode has been making horror movies from the moment he got out of university in the UK. He's made originals and sequels and is currently preparing to make a sequel to his own film, one of the most successful indies of 2017. Johannes Roberts has an impressive resume, creating films for cinemas, television, and even online, and has found himself finally riding the crest of the wave of enormous box office success. We'll have him on the slab and find out what makes him tick in just a moment. This episode of Postmortem with Mick Garris is sponsored by RLJE Films. They've just released the outrageous sequel, Another Wolf Cop, on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital HD. Officer Lou Garou, you get that? A.K.A. Wolf Cop, may have saved Woodhaven once already, but he and his ragtag group of friends have to do it all over again when the villainous Sidney Swallows comes to town with a new brewery and a very evil plan. Slash Film says it's the dirtiest, hairiest crime thriller you'll see this year, and the L.A. Times calls it grosser and wackier than its predecessor. Starring Leo Fafard, Yannick Bisson, Jonathan Cherry, and Kevin Smith, get another Wolf Cop on DVD and Blu-ray, available now on Amazon.com. Paramount Pictures has generously offered us three Blu-ray copies of one of the year's best genre films, A Quiet Place, and we'd like to share them with you. We figured the best way to offer them to our listeners was through a little contest. Since our guest on this episode is Johannes Roberts, I thought maybe an obscure question about Johannes might be a good idea. I first met Johannes at a film festival several years ago where they screened his movie, Storage 24. The question is, what and where was that festival? I'll give you a hint. It was in Europe. We will randomly select three from the correct answers that we get. You can respond to us on Facebook at Postmortem with Mick Garris, on Twitter at PostmortemMG, and on Instagram at PostmortemGram. You have until July 16th to submit your answers, and we will announce the winners on our next show, which drops on July 18th. Good luck! Today's episode of Postmortem is brought to you by the new action film Revenge, now available on demand. Jen is enjoying a romantic getaway with her wealthy boyfriend, which is suddenly disrupted when his sleazy friends arrive for an unannounced hunting trip. Tension mounts in the house until the situation abruptly and viciously intensifies, culminating in a shocking act that leaves Jen left for dead. Unfortunately for her assailants, Jen survives and re-emerges with a relentless, wrathful intent. Revenge. But this is not your ordinary rape-revenge thriller, believe me. Declared a beautiful, brutal revelation and awarded a perfect 10 out of 10 by Screen Crush, Revenge is a razor-sharp feminist subversion of the revenge thriller and a must-see film. We had writer-director Coralie Fargia on the Postmortem show recently because I'm a huge fan and advocate for this film, and it's now available on demand everywhere. See it. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts, literally, to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. So, Johannes, you've been into the genre, mm-hmm. our genre, Google Gobble, one of us, yeah. uh, for a long time. I mean, did that start in childhood? Yeah. Uh, it, um, I think probably the first uh, inkling it was there was 
Lord of the Rings. Oh. Um, and I, I just became obsessed with that at sort of... I think my dad got me a copy of that when I was about nine or ten, and I, I just absolutely devoured it. And I was always quite into siege movies. I was very into war movies as, like, oh. a young kid. Uh, so was there I, one that seduced you into it? Well, you know, I love Zulu. Um, oh, wow, that's and, great. Yeah, so I, and, and, and I loved just kind of... I just loved Siege. I loved, loved it when the cowboys were kind of holed up in a fort and had ah, to fight off. Like Fort Apache or Yeah, something. exactly, yeah. 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 And, you know, or they were... They were out, you know, like um, they died with their boots on. You know, they yeah. sort of were sort of Custer's last stand. So I, I sort of got into that kind of stuff, and then and then Lord of the Rings. You know, they were firing heads over the battlements, and you know mm. that was all that was proper horror stuff going on there. But uh, it was more action kind of battle sequences than 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 internalized horror. Yeah, so. yeah, possibly. But I mean, if you, I, I uh, um. Like I did a movie, probably the movie that's that sort of started my career properly is a movie called F um, about kids attacking school. In fact, I think yes, I sent it to you. I, I, I saw that <laughs> movie right after we met yeah, back in yeah. Strasbourg in 2012. I love I love that movie. You know, it cost nothing, and and it, but it started my career. You know, it started people taking me sort of semi seriously, anyhow, and offering you jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I could work. I could pay the rent after that movie. Um, but uh, you know the horror. You know the way I approached it. You look at the kids attacking the school, which is, which is what I love about it. But it also is what a lot of other people hate about it. Is they're basically, basically ring race. You know, the 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 hoods are like completely right. covering their face, and I just I love that image from a kid. I was so like, tell me how that movie came together. How you were able to put that together? F. Well, yeah. F's an interesting one in that I had I'd started. Um, uh, I'd started straight out of uni making movies, and I, I'd made a movie um, at 21, 22 called uh, Sanitarium, right. uh, which which had Yuri Geller in it. I don't know if you remember Yuri oh, Geller. Oh, yeah, the man the, who the, could bend spoons <laughs> with his mind. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. So, yeah. so I hung around Yuri Geller for a while. Um, and it was kind of fun. We got Really? To- was he instructive? Was he somebody who was a guru to you or something? Uh, or? <laughs> I, uh, um, it was an interesting time. Let me put it that way. We, we, um, I, you know, I got to meet Michael Jackson, and and I uh, got to. That's something we have. Oh in yes, common. of course. Yes, you, you <laughs> yeah. did the the ghost thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it was it was a funny time. Uh, it didn't end very well. Uh, oh. You know, we we sort of fell out a little bit. But you know, I was only twenty one, and um, uh, but yeah, it was it was it was interesting. But then, so I did these sort of four or five really low budget movies uh, for DVD, you know, when the DVD market was, you know, there was something going on there. And this started with Sanitarium. They started yeah. with Sanitarium. I did one with Tom Savini called Forest of the Damned. I did one with... Well, with, Tom was an actor in it. Yeah, yes. Tom was an actor. Yeah. Yes, he didn't do the effects. Yeah, he, and he was cool. He was fun. And I did, I did one with Jeff Fahey called Dark Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I did one with Sean Pertwee called When Evil Calls. And after I did When Evil Calls... Basically, the reviews for that were so horrendous. Oh, and that was for television in the it UK, was, right? It was like a, it was the world's first series for mobile phones. Oh, this was yeah, your this, online yeah, yeah, series, online. Right. And so yeah, it was yeah. before smartphones had come out, and people thought this could be a new technology. <laughs> and so it was the world's first series for mobile phones, and it was the world's last series for mobile <laughs> phones. And it, and it, uh, I remember Dread Central 
the review for Dread, Dread Central because they put it together. It was 22-minute episodes of, like, Monkey's Paw. You make a wish, it comes right. true, it comes true horribly. But you get it on your phone. And then they put it together as one thing where I got Sean Pertwee to be, like, the Crypt Keeper. Right. And it's kind of fun. It's the one movie that quite often I, like, I'd never watch my movies back again. So once they're done, they're done. But that one, sometimes James Harris and I, the producer of 47 and, and, and Strangers, we're good friends, will sometimes put on when we're drunk. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the reviews for that Remember this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we just have a laugh. But um, that, that Dread Central review of it, which was sort of uh, a good sort of measure of the other reviews, just, just get, it gave it zero stars. And, and, oh, my and, God. And said, fuck this movie. <laughs> um, wow. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't work for four years after that. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, I, I, was, I was finished. Uh, well, look, when I did The Stand, yeah. the, by far the biggest thing in my career, yeah. I didn't work for three years because I was in development and stuff oh, on really? that. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, there's something. There's something. <laughs> yeah, so, I was not yeah. in development. Anything. <laughs> yeah. nobody, uh, nobody would take my calls. Nobody, and yeah. that was kind of it. And I was finished. And it was the kind of stage where I had to boom back home. My oh. mum was like, you know, when are you going to get a proper job? And all that oh, kind of wow. stuff. It was bad. It was bad times. And I was doing some teaching uh, just I was doing. I do did some lectures, and I did like, this place near Bean was a, a, a sort of uh, college place, and I went in, did some teaching there. Teaching couple, what film? Like teaching film, film production. Yeah, things. exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it was. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I got on well with the students, and they gave me. A bit and of you kept them from seeing the review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they all they believe me. They all <laughs> yeah, saw my reviews of my movies, yeah. uh, and I just. While I was there, I was just the building. I was, I'm always very attracted to architecture, and I was, like, bad, like, uh, sort of sterile architecture. Mm-hmm. And I just saw this place, and I thought, fuck it, this is a great idea for a, a movie. And I, as you know, uh, when we talk, I'm a massive John Carpenter fan. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, fuck it, this is my last roll of the dice. So I am going to... Um, I'm going to make Assault and Precinct 13 in a school uh, right. with, a, with a group of teachers attacked by a group of kids. Uh, one of the students' fathers put some money in. Uh, the, the crew was all students, and the really? um, yeah, it was your all, students at the film yeah, classes, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they were, they were my crew. The DP was the a lecturer at a university around the corner, oh. and and we just we we had like a hundred grand in the end, um, and we we just made that movie, and it and it just worked, you know, it, like it just got. It got picked up by Optimum Studio Canal, and then you know WME signed me, and it just sort of all started. Suddenly, I got like the stamp of approval, and right. nobody then sadly saw it. You know, I thought maybe it would. There was a moment there it could have actually sort of become something. But it played festivals and introduced you to that it, world. It, did it? It not? did a little. It did. Fr- it did Fright Fest, and that was about it. In London, yeah, yeah it did it did that. I'm never. I never really get asked to festivals. I think the only <laughs> other festival I ever be. I sometimes go. Like, I, Strasbourg, where I met you, was one, and then maybe I've been to Sidious, but yeah. I don't tend to... My, obviously, my sensibility is not, is not the festival world. I F think seems perfect for those festivals. Yeah, you would have thought you know, so. No, yeah. people really dislike the whole ending and the whole tone mm. of, is it supernatural? There's no answers to it. And the, I, but I love that, that movie. But, but that included some good reviews for, I got that great, followed yeah, up yeah, yeah, what yeah. was disastrous for you. Yeah, so, yeah. No, suddenly, yes, I got... I remember that I got, like, 
my first empire empire in England is a it's big a huge magazine, magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah. film magazine. Yeah, yeah. and I, I got four stars in that, and that was for me that was just like the biggest thing I'd ever had at wow. the time. Yeah, tell uh, me how that feels for a young filmmaker. I remember, but when you f- f- first get your first big good review, review, it's yeah, it was it was quite that was quite special because I'd sort of grown up with with. Um, Empire and I, or it was Kim Newman reviewing, and I've grown up. Oh, with Kim. Kim Newman yeah. is like the genre yeah, master. He's, in the, he's UK. the guy. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was that was nice. It was. It doesn't last long. No. You know. Then the other bad reviews come in. And, <laughs> but you know. did it get your mom off your back? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it took a while. Yes, I think. I think she. She. Do you know what I remember? Because um, the local newspapers did some articles, uh, and then she was, she'd keep those. And I'd be like, Mum, no, no, I'm in, I'm in Empire, I'm in Sight and Sound. And she's like, no, she's got the Cambridge Evening News with a picture of me. You know? uh, Is Cambridge where you grew up? Yeah, that's yeah. where I grew up. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I remember, actually, that was... So no matter how high the, the, the wave you ride, and that, at the time, that was kind of a high wave for me, and they, they programmed the... Um, they programmed the movie in, in the Cambridge Film Festival, which is actually quite a prestigious festival, um, but no matter how high you go, there's always a down waiting. And I remember, yes. like, like going to the festival, and I was like, okay, my family were like, okay, this is like, yeah, you're legitimate now. And and the the movie was playing, uh, and I was going to go up and introduce it and stuff. And the queue was all the way down, like out the doors. Oh and and I, you're what, 24, uh, 25? At this, this point, I probably... I was, 30 at this point. 30, yeah, okay, yeah. So okay. I, I walk up the queue and I'm like, this is great with my family. And this guy stops me and he says, excuse me, do you know there's a queue? You've got to get to the back. <laughs> and it was one of those like, you know, where someone offers you a ball, you're not going to... Here's your like, moment. Really? I was like, oh, amazing. And I was like, actually, uh, it's, it's, it's my movie. And he was just sort of mortified and I was like, this is just brilliant. So I went, I went then to the doors and I waited... And uh, then the, the movie starts now, open the doors, and every single person goes next door to Gareth Edwards' Monsters, oh, which is no. great. <laughs> Literally oh, every single... No. And it was just like there was no one, except for that one guy, actually. The one yeah. guy. He was the one yeah, in the audience. Yeah, he was audience. the one in the yeah. yeah. So that was a, that was a, uh, a chastening. Is well, that, that sure yeah. felt like it was going to be a yeah, good story. <laughs> it was like, oh, great. And then, yeah, I, I met Gareth not long ago and, and told him that story. Yeah. Oh, and he's pretty legendary in the genre in the UK, yeah, yeah. but no one in the States knows him. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but um, so, um, yes, that, um, yeah, that, that, but that movie did me good. And It opened sort of, doors. For yeah, it opened doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, were you always interested in doing your own material, uh, writing, uh, creating the own Yeah, your own I, think, I think so. I mean, I, I think for me... Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I discovered the big sort of turning point for me was once I sort of finished the Tolkien world was like, what, what, what next? And I remember being, uh, uh, I remember being in the airport. We were going to Florida when I was fourteen for a family holiday, and my dad was like, you know, get a book from you know the place so you can read on the plane. And then I had no Tolkien left to read, and I'd been doing all mm. the Terry Pratchett books. And I finished there, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I was like, do you know what? I've become obsessed with looking at the video covers to Stephen King uh, films yeah. and being like, oh, what is this Children of the Court? You know, like, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and, um, and in fact, someone had videoed uh, Cujo and we'd sat and watched it and oh, I started to become like, like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool world. So I, and I saw Cujo in, 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 the, um, 
uh, and picked it up. And my dad was like, but you, you know, what is this nonsense kind yeah. of stuff? And I was like, no, Grab no, no. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I, uh, and I, uh, he let me get it. And it that changed my life. I just, really? yeah, yeah, completely. Like uh, my, it just, uh, something just clicked in my head. And I was just So like, Stephen yeah. King's voice yeah, was completely. Just, what opened doors. Just Did you, completely. What, when I was 12, that happened to me with Ray Bradbury. Oh, okay. I, I read everything he'd yeah. ever written yeah, within yeah, yeah. a year. Yeah. So it was that... Oh, did, yeah, I just didn't stop. I didn't stop. Yeah. I read Cujo on the way there and oddly actually stopped. Uh, the plane had to stop at Bangor. Oh, to go and of so, all so, places. So it was suddenly making, yeah. and then spending all this time, I'm, I've always been fascinated by America, and King really brought that out, like the Americana. I was just like, wow. And, of course, he yeah. famously lives in Bangor. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. In, 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 uh, and then, so I just, I, I read Cujo while I was on holiday, and then on the way back I read Misery, oh. and I did that in the flight. I was just like, gone, and then four past midnight, and mm. then I just went through everything, like every day. I, I was just buried, you know. And by the time I got to it, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing stuff. Wow. So, so yeah. did you start reading things in order after no, that? No, or no, you no. Just I, just, I just picked yeah. and, I, and I read and I read and I read. Um, and, yeah, literally didn't, didn't look up then for, <laughs> for several years. I think until then... It was the first time I was like, ooh, was Nightmare on my Nightmare and Dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, okay. And then Insomnia, I was like, wait, what's, what's Didn't going on? Didn't quite hit your target <laughs> there. Yeah. And I always think of that as King's kind of, uh, uh, I've come off the drugs. Now, <laughs> now I have to try. And, uh, um, but yeah, and then, so I, then a little period sort of went where I didn't read quite so much. And then, and then, Came back around about Dreamcatcher and mm-hmm. and uh, and Hearts of Atlantis and just still yeah. now every year that's I don't read as much as I should do but I, every year I read my King book uh, that he that he yeah. uh, that he puts out so. I mean, required reading for yeah. me yeah yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, did you read on writing I love it yeah it's a phenomenal book phenomenal. this is a book Stephen King wrote. Uh, it's about how he does it. It's not like this is how you should write, yeah, but yeah. this is how I do it, yeah. and maybe it will be helpful. And I think it's the best book on the creative process and most inspiring book yeah, on the creative yeah, yeah. process, whether you're an actor, a writer, director, a yeah, painter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. musician. And I can't recommend it highly enough. I've given yeah, yeah. dozens of copies to, yeah. to people. Now, he's, I mean, he's just an incredible um, person. You he know, is, you, you yeah. know. I, whether it's his views on politics or on mm. guns or on, you know, whatever. There's, he's just a kind of super smart guy, isn't he? He yeah, really is. Yeah. And, um, and just as sweet a human being as there is. Yeah, I mean, so you, generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Um, was there anything in his canon that really you wanted to tackle? Well, or I've, you I've, want got, to? I've got the right – I wrote to him uh, – and got the rights to Hearts in Atlantis. Oh, f- uh, to do that. To do again. that, yeah. Because yeah. that, and that's, I would say the letter that I wrote to him is probably the best bit of writing I've ever done. <laughs> I like spent yeah. months to get this, uh, uh, to get this letter right. And, and then he watched, um, 
he watched the other side of the door. Oh, right. And I, I always think he must have sat and watched it and gone, wait a second, didn't I make that movie already? Didn't I write that? Like <laughs> yeah. So Other but, Side of the Door was a movie you made in Mumbai. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. this came after Storage 24, which yes. we'll talk about too. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that experience and, and his reaction to that, uh, but, yeah. but yeah. what the movie is and how that came about. Yeah, Other Side other side's an interesting one for me because I, I always feel a bit sad it didn't quite get the audience that you know like 47 or strangers has yeah because well, it's kind of a magical ghost story yeah you know yeah. and it's in this fantastic yeah. locale in india incredible place and it, and it's it's the movie i got into the industry to tell it's uh-huh. it's it's pet cemetery with meets the grudge you know uh-huh. and, that, and that it really is as simple as that and i had yeah. so much Fun when it, I mean, it was a hellish process putting it together. Was King your inspiration? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, you know, every day, you know, the people that I was working with quite often, they would come to me. Uh, as, as I, you, I don't know if you get this a lot, but when, when people, people often produce horror but don't really understand horror. Oh, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I've never come across <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the things that they then go is, um, yeah, could it be more like the others? That seems to be the one, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah we, we get the others. Yeah. Or, or could it be more like anything else anything that's been successful? successful yeah. But yeah. not too horrible. You know, the others yeah. is a nice, like... PG-13. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep it um, and I kept going, look, I really want to make Pet Cemetery, And, and um, I don't think anybody really got that. But then, the, to be honest, the great thing that happened is Alex Arja came on as, as producer. Oh, I didn't realise that yeah, he Yeah, he produced that. that. Oh, that's right. how, we, how, we, how we met. And he... He came on and and we just really worked. I mean, he's a pain in the ass. I mean, in the nicest, <laughs> yeah. nicest way. He's so French. Uh, but we get on. I love him to pieces. But yeah. uh, he, he was like, oh, this is awful. And we would just work together and, uh, on set. He, That's inspirational. Yeah, yeah, he would, we would, uh, we would uh, you know, it would be like a, a proper battle at times. Um, but um, he really helped, you know, get the movie to to where I wanted to get it. And he was not afraid of battling the studio and, wow. and and um so we had we had a cool time and yeah shooting in mumbai was life-changing it was absolutely um uh it, it was the most incredible experience i was out there for i mean i was out in india probably for a year and a half back and forward you know was it originally intended to be yeah, set I'd, in india i'd always yeah. uh, what had happened is is storage had been financed by um uh some uh, some Indian guys, and there'd been a lot of Indian money coming into London, into mm. Soho at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd become very good friends, and still am good friends with the with the guys. And um, it just occurred to me, you know, I really loved The Grudge, and I loved. I thought what really made I really liked the American version of The Grudge, mm-hmm. and I thought what really made it work was putting uh, an American, putting uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar in. Uh, in this alien world. A fish out of water. Yeah, yeah, and she was so, it was such a frightening, you know, she just couldn't communicate with anybody. And it, I just thought I'd not seen that in that kind of way before. Uh, and I, and then, so I was like, do you know what? I really, why not do The Grudge but in India? Had you been to India no, before? I'd never been to India, Ooh. yeah. So okay. I, I was, to start, you know, the first. Truly exotic to you. Then. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it started a little bit. Yogury and elephancy, the, the the first few sort of versions of the script, and then uh, it, it was it was all that kind of stuff. And actually, to be honest, I then had to battle that when I because I would then go out and 
we would look at different places. We'd look at Kerala. We would, we would, we we went up and down India. And then I, um, the first time I went to Mumbai was the first time I went to India, and I was like, "What the fuck is this place? It's horrendous." And then we went all around, and we went for over the course of a year, saw lots of different places. And then I flew out of Mumbai, and when I came into Mumbai to fly out, I was staying there for a couple of days. I was just like. No, wait. This is the place. This is Derry. You know, this is a this is yes. a dark, dark yes. place. Um, and so I was like, yeah, no, the movie has to be set here. Um, so we we shot it, and we shot it in uh, where Rudyard Kipling was born. Wow! But purely, and that's the wonderful thing about India. There is there's no there's no like in England, you'd have like a shrine there. Right, right. We found this house, stunning house, crumbling in the middle of Mumbai. Right. And it was like, fuck, this is brilliant. So we chose the house. And while we're filming, it's like there's a statue there. And it's like, but, you know, all covered in... You yeah. know, just, and it's like, well, what's Ruddy. that? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Roger Kipling was born here. And the statue commemorates it. And I'm wow. actually burning copies of The Jungle Book in the movie. Oh, right, the right, house. right. Oh, my okay. God. How's this going to go down? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I loved that movie. I loved working with Sarah Wayne Callis. I loved working with Jeremy Sisto and... and, and um, Sarah, uh, Sophia Rosinski, the little girl. Um, and um, Well, it's very atmospheric. Yeah. I mean, the filmmaking itself and the locale, yeah. I mean, it's, it's exotic, but it's very haunting. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really, I loved it. Um, and then we kind of got caught a little bit. I mean, you know, it's Fox International, so it's, it actually was one of their most successful movies. But I, it, I think it could have gone bigger, but then the head of the studio left. Uh, and went uh, to Colombia, and we just caught, got caught in that. The that, regime yeah, change. Yeah, regime yeah. change. So mm. it sat around for a year, and then it went out. And she did pretty well internationally. Um, but, but just have, not very well known in the States, and, no. and it should be, and let's rectify let's that Let's right rectify now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I have, a, I have a huge soft spot for that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Is that the one you feel most personally connected to? Uh, do you know what? Uh, each time, I it sort of changes in different ways. Oddly... I, I would say other side is the is the kind of stories that I tell. Mm-hmm. That that's where my instinct goes to for sure. I think cinematically Strangers is definitely if you watch Strangers, you're seeing me. You know, right, you're seeing right. that's you're seeing a director who for the first time has got the confidence to go do you know what? I'm just going to put a zoom in. Right. I know. I know. This is from 1982, and it looks terrible. But I wanted to do. <laughs> but this. it works. For <laughs> yeah, me. yeah, exactly. Ironically, yeah. if that's the one you feel most closely aligned yeah. to, it is a sequel to somebody else's movie. Yeah, that, and I think that's because, and I think it's because of that because the material I wasn't close to. Right. Like like I was with Other Side or even with 47. Well, 47, you just had to keep the wheels on the fucking trolley. There was no, there was <laughs> we'll no room, room to yeah. be uh, personal at all. But um, with with uh, Other Side, you know, it's a really personal movie to me or even with F to, to a degree. Um, uh, and and definitely with with uh, Strangers is uh, there was that distance. You know, you're, you're coming on board a sequel and... And it wasn't. I'm not a big slasher fan, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I um, so that there, there's a sort of slight distance there. And I had taken it because I had gone. You know what? I can make Christine here. This yeah, is what I want to do. I've always wanted to make Christine. I mean, I had that with Critters too. Yeah. Doing Critters too. Yeah, the yeah. film was successful enough to get a, a sequel yeah. greenlit, but not so successful that I couldn't fuck with it. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then that's the great thing. Yeah. yeah. And you can just um, you could just go. You didn't. Did you write Critters too? I rewrote it. Rewrote it. Yeah. But, exactly. But David Tui did the original. Okay. Script, yeah. yeah. I like David Tui actually. Yeah. He's, me too. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's an interesting. He's or, done some really interesting. He did. Work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did did some really interesting stuff. Um, uh, but um, yeah. So it. Uh, yeah. I I really just sort of did my own thing on Strangers, and I really. I love it, especially the second half of the movie. It yeah. just kind of goes bonkers. Uh, so about the writing, how much of it was yours? Um, you know how it is as a director. You yeah. you take the material. On an assignment. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You you know, and I'm I'm a writer. I'm I would consider myself to be a, a you know a good writer. I'm sure some reviewers would not agree <laughs> with that, but you, you know. And so I I took that material, and I, I think there's a difference. It was. Um, it was really the the script was written the the idea I think came from Brian and then the script was mainly written by Ben Katai right. um, and this was written before you were involved yeah yeah this has been written ten years ago this script's right. been written oh before. it was intended to oh, be it was an straight, yeah follow-up. it was a straight straight follow up and then Ben Katai had rewritten it over the years and then by the time it came to me uh, there's a you know it's all fine and well writing a, a good script and Ben's a good writer um, but it's you suddenly then need to look at budgets and how you're going to film and all this kind of stuff. And right. so I, I took that script and, and gave it a bit of a kicking. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, it's I, I definitely bought much more of the Christine element. To yeah, it, you know, the yeah, burning yeah. cars and the and you know right. that, that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, but yeah, it was you know I think it was a fun one to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, yeah. it seems. It's not as contained as the first Strangers, that's no. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and it reaches out beyond the home invasion yeah, genre, yeah. And, it, and it plays with it, plays with the genre. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the home invasion genre. I, yeah. I just I always found it somewhat. I like Strangers, but apart from that, I'm, yeah. I'm really massive. Um, so, well, let's go back to to Storage Twenty Four because that was kind of your first success, uh, commercial success, theatrically. Yeah. Uh, sort of, yes, and it, it's also in your siege. Uh, yeah, it's, it's siege. Yeah, of, uh, yeah. I mean, I keep making a sort of subgenre. Yeah, 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 you yeah. know, F Story Twenty Four. But what's uh, really impressive about it, and again, it's not that well known in the states, yeah. but uh, on the festival circuit where I met you yeah. and when I first saw that film, yeah. it was all over the place, and yeah. and. There are a shitload of practical monster effects yeah, that yeah. are mind-boggling on what was obviously a contained budget. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have any money on that. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny. That was an assignment job for me, really. So the script was yeah, there, script, and script you Noel, basically shot that script. Yeah, no, no had. I mean, I reworked that a lot. They, they, they actually. Um, that was one where I was sort of paid to to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to bring in, a, you know, Noel's not a genre guy. Um, uh, so yeah, I came in and and and, and sort of made it the horror movie. Um, uh, so and, it wasn't so much a yeah. true flat out monster movie. No, not uh, it was. So, it was, but it it written by someone who didn't understand from the inside, yeah, from yeah. inside the latex. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yes, you know. Um, uh, so I, I sort of. Played around with that, and and we had fun on that one. It's oddly, it's a movie I quite often forget about that I've done. Really? Yeah, I, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, storage. Oh yeah. Uh, I, but I, it seems like it would have been a very difficult movie to make because of all the practical, yeah, we, creature effects. It was, um, yeah, that was that was it was tough. They're like, pretty massive. They're pretty. Yeah, Paul Hyatt did the um, built the oh, yeah. built, built the monster, and 
we had that sort of running around and falling over and <laughs> yeah it, it was it was definitely tough did you have thing. bruce the shark moments with this oh yeah they never i mean yeah. a lot of it what what we did which i think really works beyond the budget is by having a practical monster is we actually then photographed it 360 and did a lot of CG augmentation that you don't really ah, notice. Well, that's the best kind yeah, of CG. Yeah, and it, it just it really helps. So there's some there's some really kind of cool stuff going on there that you don't realise is posed or or that it just sort of kind of works. Uh, the movie's fun. I haven't seen that movie in probably. Well, I don't. I think I watched it um, when we when we when met, we saw it, and yeah, that six been, years ago. Yeah, that's the last been, time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that, that would have been the last time I've, I've really. Seen it. Yeah, yeah. So you don't revisit your work. No, never, never. Yeah. I, I occasionally... I know that feeling. Yeah, there's, there's no... You can kind of get caught into it. You know, you put something on and you're like, fuck, you know, I'm really talented. Look at the way, <laughs> look at where I put the camera. It's or like, it's, why the fuck, fuck did yeah, I do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, then, yeah, it's always like sort of five minutes of like, oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Well, this is a bit boring. Isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell, this is terrible. <laughs> it's also hard not to see outside the frame line and everything that was yeah. going on, all of the yeah. issues you were dealing with, yeah, yeah. Uh, temperaments or yeah, budgetary think, lapses. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. There's not. There's not a lot of fun to be doing to to have done that. I haven't. You know what? I with strangers, I never even saw that beyond the test screens. Uh, normally, really? I then go. You know, you want to go opening night? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I um. I I never even saw the final version with an audience. Not even a test screen audience. We tested it a couple of times, and then I did my changes, and everybody was happy, and we locked the movie and did all that. And that was it for you. And I never, never watched wow. it again. Yeah, I um. Uh, I just sort of uh, the opening weekend. I uh, I took a car and drove down to Mexico. Uh, oh, and that wow. was it. Um, so you're a looking ahead kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn, burn, burning, slash and burning behind me. Yeah, I just, <laughs> do you, you know what? It, it's just, you just get, the, the, you know, you start getting hammered in reviews or you, whatever happens. And it, you, it's hard not to take it personally. So you just, I just always yeah. abandon ship as quickly as I can. Well, and, let's talk about reviews a little bit because, yeah. you know, over the years, we've both mm. had mm-hmm. good and bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if... If you say all the bad reviews are bullshit, you have to say all the good ones are bullshit too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But it is a personal thing and hard not to take. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you the worst, cleverest quote from a review, a bad review I ever yeah. got was on Psycho 4 where yeah. the reviewer said, director is to Hitchcock what Peoria is to Paris. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. A great quote, but yeah. ow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that I ever would have compared myself to Hitchcock. Yeah. But yeah. Um, were there any that particularly stung or, well, you had that validation in, in Empire that you were able to take home. Oh, that was, that was great. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's maybe, there's three or four reviews in my sort of life where I'm like, I'm super proud of, you yeah. know, that Empire one, there was, um, it was a really nice one by Peter Bradshaw, who's a very big critic in England mm-hmm. on the other side of the door. Uh, and then the Hollywood Reporter ran this amazing spread on The Strangers. I don't know if you saw it. Basically wow. saying I reinvented... Like, I did see yeah, that. that yes. Yeah, I was like, wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After they... Uh, written the review the week previous trashing the movie. Oh, I was great. like guys come on give me something <laughs> now we have Robertsian <laughs> yeah, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah do you know what I, it's not 
I don't remember the bad reviews. The bad reviews only hurt when the movie's fresh. Yeah. You know, oh, and, yeah. and you just, you just, you're just like, ah, oh, guys, come on. You know, uh, Strangers just come out in England and, and they just fucking destroyed it in really? England. Yes, they do. They always destroy me in England. Um, uh, but they really, they just went to town. And, yeah. and it's like, you just, it gets, you get exhausted by it. But, I shouldn't look, but you always do. You, well, you like, can't help yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, but yeah. you do. If you're doing work for public consumption, yeah. you have to have the hide of a rhinoceros. Yeah, yeah, you really do. You know, because yeah. all you can do is your best work. And if yeah, it yeah. resonates with people, great. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't, you yeah, know, yeah. things that that were unsuccessful in the beginning. I remember doing publicity on John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yeah. I made the making of The Thing. Yeah. And when the movie came out, you know, E.T. came out the same yeah, summer. E.T. Yeah, yeah. e. was a huge, you know, record-breaking. Yeah. And The Thing was a disaster. Yeah, and I yeah. remember saying to John Carpenter, um, 10, 20 years from now, people are going to be looking back and calling this a classic. Yeah, yeah. And that's what happened. People talk yeah. about the thing. It still yeah, yeah. shows at festivals and the like. And E.T. is a great classic film. Yeah. But people talk about the, the thing. thing the, you know? the thing's a fucker of a movie. Because <laughs> it's amazing. It, 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 but it, it's the movie that, that ca- people always, always bring up now when – you know, when I get another zero star review, they go, ah, but do you remember the thing? And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, but this isn't the thing, is but it? This is- <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Jesus, you know, you just got to gotta hang in there. I, I don't, like most of the time I find it quite funny. I, I, there's, there's one I remember with um, uh, with 47 Meters Down, again, which, you know, it seemed to connect, but then, you know, equally the reviews uh, sort of reasonably... Uh, Commercial vitro- movies, especially in the genre, often attract vitriol. Really, yeah. really badly, don't they? Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a funny one. Yeah, one, one guy wrote, dumb, 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 dumb. I was like, okay, that for the entire review, that was it. Yeah. I was like, okay. Well, you can pride yourself on reminding him of Jaws. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about how 47 Meters Down came about because here it's – there is a subgenre, the shark movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this hit big. This was, I think, the biggest grossing indie of 2017. It was, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, so, yeah. so tell me how that came together and, and how you um, it, it was, I was grappled doing, it. Yeah, I was doing Other Side of the Door um, and I was living at the time with the producer. We had a flat um, – uh, the producer of 47, not other side. Uh, okay. We had a flat in East London. Um, so this took a little while for it to get off oh, the ground. Oh, yeah, man. But, this, yeah. This, it took forever. It, it, oddly, it was a very quick process to start with in that we were having drinks one night and I was going through hell of development on the other side of the door and I said, I want to do a shark movie because um, I'm a big diver and I love sharks. I'm oh, I didn't idiot. know that. Oh, yeah. So you're certified and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, mm. yeah. Uh, and... Um, and he was like, okay, then we looked around for some scripts, couldn't find anything, and I pitched him the idea. I said, what about two girls, you know, in a shark cage, drops to the bottom of the ocean, an hour to get back up to the surface, sharks in the air, in the water, and they need to do, you know, you'll get the bends if you go up too quick. Uh, and I was drunk when I pitched <laughs> it to him. And I, you know, and, and he, but he then, he retains this stuff, and he took it to a sales agent and pitched it to the sales agent, Altitude. Maybe uh, you should only pitch when you're drunk. Drag, you fuck, I should only direct when I'm drunk. <laughs> Uh, and um, uh, and they, they said, yes, we can make this movie. We like it, we can sell it. 
So James came to me and said, look, they want to make the movie. And I was like, look, I pitched it. It's a joke. I don't want to do that movie. Um, and he's like, come on, let's do it. I was like, I don't want to do it. Yeah, and because it, that kind of movie is so easy to make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I don't know. I was so snobby about it. Because I'm all about ghosts and, and kind of supernatural stuff, or I was at the time. And I was like, I don't want to do a shark. You know, I, I wasn't really serious about this. And he's like, look, come on. They, all they want, everybody always asks at the time, they love the pitch, but they're like, how do people speak underwater? So we just needed to shoot a little teaser. And I was like, okay, look, I'll do the teaser for you, and then you find another director. So we shot the teaser in, uh, in Pinewood, who gave us a tank for free. And we used... Wow. Um, that, they were tough, actually, in, in the long run. But, yeah, they gave us the tank for free in that. Uh, and um, um, we used Vanessa Kirby, who just, I think yesterday, day before, just got a BAFTA for The Crown. She's oh, Princess wow. Margaret. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. So she, um, she did, she was, uh, she's the, we, we did a, like, she's like doing a safety stop and you've got a terrible CGI shark coming around. Right. Um, and we did this thing with the one full face mask so you could see her face talking. And, um, and then we sold the movie all around the world without a script. Um, and then I wrote the script um, which I based sort of on touching the void. Oh, yeah. Okay. To me, that was that was the way. You know, it was like a movie without sharks, and then we put the sharks in afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Weinstein's read it and loved it. Came on board. We made the movie. It was a tough movie to make, for sure. Well, let's talk a little yeah. about that process. Yeah, because. Famously, yeah. Steven Spielberg and yeah. Jaws uh, were. It was a nightmare yeah, every yeah. single day, and it was like three times the schedule. Yeah, it ended yeah, up yeah. shooting and all of that. Did you? I mean, you knew that this was fraught with danger. Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. I just think, to be honest, I'm a better director than Spielberg, so I just had it. <laughs> I had it. I had it under control from the beginning. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but um, I. Uh, I do you know what working underwater is is not tri- is not slow is that, in fact it's super fast really yeah so so the bond company made us you know put all these weeks and they were like this is going to be a disaster and whatever and then to start with it was a disaster we put the wrong sand in the tank mm-hmm. so the tank went cloudy we had to start again the masks wouldn't work nobody'd ever done dialogue underwater right. so we had the abyss um, team on speed dial and they were like guys the sound really? team on speed dial and they were like guys we've not we didn't do this we don't know how you're doing what you're doing <laughs> so we were having to literally learn as we went well you're also kind of inventing underwater audio technology it at was, the time it was, right and it, it, that's exactly what we were we were doing um but actually underwater if you're it was the one thing in my life where doing all these b movies to start with had suddenly paid off because because what happens is you have to take your two actresses, you put tanks on them, you take your camera crew, there's maybe uh, there's two cameras rolling all the time and then you've got sort of four or five other people there. They've got their tanks on, they go down, that's it. You've got 45 minutes, uh, depending on how quickly they breathe. So if they're panicking, then you've only got like half an hour, 20 minutes, or if, you know, if one of the actresses was in a bad mood, we call it the Hollywood purge, they would just... <laughs> out would dump the air and that was it. Oh, okay. But you can never bring them back up again because as soon as you bring people to the surface to talk to them, that's an hour gone, two hours. Right. Um, so you can't, you can't do that. You can't do what you do on a set, which is like, oh, we're going to tweak the light and I'm going to chat to them. Everything has to be done like there, 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 there. The clock's ticking. Everybody's underwater. Everybody's getting cold. So uh, it's like doing stunts. You, once you do them, they're that you, and they're you, done. You're done. But the yeah. thing with stunts is you have all this prep 
up. Right. This has to be constant. So you've got your shot going, and you have to be thinking the shot ahead, the shot ahead, the shot ahead, the shot ahead, never, ever stopping because people are running out of air. And it's like the most incredibly intense thing. So we would, we would finish, we would start at eight and we would finish at one in the afternoon. So wow. we would have the whole rest of the day off because you would just, the way it would work is I would just film until I looked at my DP and he literally floated upside down like a goldfish that had died. And I was just like, yeah, he's gone. There's nothing more <laughs> There's I can do nothing. with him. Wow. And that would be it. I would look at him and I'd go, there's nothing more I could do. Right, let's finish. Um, How many pages a day would you average? Oh, I don't... Do you know what? I don't know, but we would shoot... Um, we shot... I, fuck, I should ask my editor this. He... It was a really tricky post-production period because we shot maybe four times what you shoot normally on a feature film right. because you've got the cameras rolling all the time and the way I never call cut. Right, and with digital shooting there, you, you could, you've got an hour or two on can, a magazine. You can run it and there's, you just can't underneath, you can't call cut because you've got all the boards and everything, everything <laughs> slows. And just, you can't do that. You can't of, slate underwater. No, you can. <clears> you do it with a light kind of, or something. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of slow. So you would, what I would do is I'd watch it and I would know from here to here is working, and this is where the shot's working. But n- nobody else would. So the editor would get this stuff, and he'd be like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? And then there would be a section in the middle, and he, you know, by the end of it, he learned, okay, Johannes knows what he's fucking doing. You know, right. we, we have a history, so it was okay. But it was a really, <clears throat> really tough post-production period. So did you have, well, I guess then if you were wrapped by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you would have time to actually give notes on dailies or are dailies just so overwhelmingly <laughs> yeah, long? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's can't. no way, no yeah. way, yeah, yeah. We, we were always behind on that. You can't then rehearse um, anything because it's, how the fuck do you rehearse stuff that's underwater right. because everybody's zero gram, you know, everybody's All you can do is rehearse dialogue. Dialogue and, no, you know, it's, it's, not it's a shark much. movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's a shark, there's a shark. Yeah. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, it, it just, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a tough, that was a tough one. So I would just go and get drunk, you know, and the <laughs> camera crew would do this. Our camera crew would just get obliterated. It was funny. I mean, to the point that when we were filming, uh, there's times I saw the gaffer fall asleep underwater. Oh, you my know, God. They, they were, they were, and then his body floated. Oh, yeah. No, they just, yeah. Sort of, <laughs> I mean, they're hardcore team. They would run out of air. And, uh, and one of the others would just shove in. Like, instead of holding the shot, the DP would be like... Ugh. And then someone else would take, <laughs> take a thing. Me out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, no, they'd carry on filming. Oh, and wow, they'd just but be not doing him. That. Yeah, yeah, they'd just be oh, doing like that. Wow, uh, trading off yeah, the yeah. masks. Yeah, they, they were a funny crew. Good team, though. Well, tell me what you learned most from this movie, because it seems like everything you did was new to, compared to what you'd done before. What, what did you learn from this? Uh, don't do it again, although but, I'm doing it again. But you're so, doing yeah, it. Yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah, do 48 yeah, meters yeah, down. Yeah, you're in prep now, yeah. right? Uh, no. I, just, I mean, it's green, the movie's greenlit, but we've got another movie before or another two, ah, possibly. So, oh, my. Um, oh, okay. um, so we're just... You are the workingest director. Since I've met you, really? you have been <laughs> yeah. such a working It's funny. Oh, oh, yeah, it's funny. I was just chatting to... Um, uh, to Mar- I just did lunch with Martin Henderson, who's the, the, the lead guy from Strangers, right. and we were yeah. chatting, we were catching up. Uh, and he's like the opposite of me. He's loved sailing and he's just pottering around and yeah. whatever. And I just, I just, it's not about money. It's just, I can't not work. I panic. You know, I need, I need to be constantly focused on something. Otherwise, it's, 
I just can't quite validate my life. So right. I just need to be just completely. But working. you are going to do it. We we were joking, uh, you know, with the not to do it again. But w- what did you learn from that? I mean, oh, the, yeah. the tension building, I imagine, was something very different to shoot in the way that you shot. Yeah, it. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I I think I learned that you. The big thing I learned is don't be afraid of anything. People will tell you, like, oh no, filming underwater. No, you can't do this. You can't mm-hmm. do that. And I remember when we did the test. In the morning, and I, I had a different team to. Oh, so I had a different team to the the people that I actually used on the on the film. And we we in the morning we started the test off, and it was just like everything was like, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, you yeah. can't. And then I remember like we're fucked, we're never going to get this teaser. You know, it was only like a minute teaser, but we hadn't got a single thing. And I remember just being like, holy shit, I've got a lot of people just telling me what I can't do. I've been around long enough. It's cameras, whatever. And in the afternoon, I was just like, right, this is how it's going to, you know, we're just going to go. It is quite amazing to me how many people are naysayers. And if it's difficult or different, they just say you can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can do anything. Yeah, yeah. And you can. You just, I mean, it's just run the camera. You'll get something, you know. (laughs) And and, and, so I I think that was the big thing learnt. I learnt a lot. I learnt a lot of different things dealing with people just sort of that was a really tough movie so it was a and it was a big step up you know and and dealing with sort of certain politics and um there's there's a book in there one day i think there's a book in there but uh um it it, um yeah but you know the 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 kind of scare tactics are are actually pretty mechanical you know they're they're not you know, the big one that gets everybody to jump up and scream is when they do the flare and all the sharks are there. Right, And, and right. it's the most ridiculous it's shot in the big... world because <laughs> sharks never stay still. I mean, what the hell? They're all there. Especially what, a group. What, yeah, what are they doing? Sharks don't move in schools, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, mean, just, I mean, it's just nonsense, but it, it makes everybody jump. And that's, you know, I mean, we've all seen Pitch Black, you know. That moment has been around for a while, you know. Alex did it in, in Piranha. Um, yeah. So... Uh, you know the the jump scares were, it, but it was it was putting the jump scares in a fresh new environment, right. uh, and uh, uh, and that was kind of fun and, and cool and yeah. Now I know that every actor requires different handling, yeah, and and that yeah. being a director is part being psychologist, yeah, or parent, yeah. or yeah, best yeah. friend, that sort of thing. What movie that you've done would you think was the most uh, demanding of you as the house psychologist? I, I mean, definitely 47 was, you know, both uh, – it was it was tricky on Mandy and Claire. You know, they were coming over from uh, from the States to, you know, they weren't in Pinewood. We didn't shoot the movie in Pinewood. We shot the oh, teaser the in Pinewood. The test, yes. Yeah, and then we ended up in Basildon uh, for the test in, in, a, in, a, in a tank by a recycling plant in a in a in an industrial estate. So Hollywood is so plush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was I remember when they first arrived and you could just see it in their eyes. The crash. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think James and I probably the producer and I probably learned a lot about just yeah, about about dealing with the whole you know, just the scenario and how you present yourself and everything and cheerleading the team yeah and you have enthusiasm. to yeah, it, it's, yeah it's tricky you know and i i've you, you work with different people and it, each time it's um 
like on Strangers, it, it was it was very funny. Like Christina is is a force of nature. Christina Hendricks, yeah, yeah. she she'd take no shit from me. And so really, yeah, and but, we all know her from Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. And this was a real change. Yeah, she was, and she she was great. You know, but I'd walk in sometimes and I'd be like, I oh, said, so Christina, if you could just you know pick up the app or whatever, you know, and she'd just look at me and I'd be like, or oh, you could. Do <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of Anthony Perkins. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, you learn each time to to um, how you know that some people work some ways, some people work different ways. I think the thing I have learned is to my, you know, I've learned by trial by fire is never treat an actor the way you treated the actor on the movie before mm. like i've had a really you know like you have you do a movie and you have a really great experience and you're like okay but well, this is how you handle actors and it, you can't just take a template and add it and then you do it to the next person right and what that can you're yeah. just like oh f- you need to or even in the same scene two different actors yeah i mean yeah, yeah, every yeah, actor has a way, way they work work exactly and yeah. the way you yeah. yeah i mean your job is to get their best work out of them through encouragement yeah yeah and, and that's it it's just offer a safety net really exactly I think. Yeah. a yeah. great actor has to be someone who is brave enough to bear it all, yeah, psychologically, yeah, yeah. and you yeah. have to make them feel safe, feel feel there. feel comfortable in that. That it's just a funny one, isn't it? And it, um, but um, yeah, you just. What was the film you think was most demanding as far as getting performances for you so far? Um, I mean, Forty Seven is it, it was was tough just because you you're like they're underwater, yeah, they're, they're miles away. You can't be there in front of them. You can't rehearse lines. Really, you can't yeah. really block it. Um, the good thing about that is they're actually in the danger, mm-hmm. so they don't really have to imagine too much because they are at seven meters down, you like know. Ed Harris yeah. in yeah. the Abyss and yeah. Yeah. all those yeah, exactly. stories. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they're really going <laughs> through that. So, so that helped. I, I mean, I always find. I mean, you must have gone through this as a fucking nightmare. Is it ensemble pieces? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, the stand must have been like. <laughs> like that. We had one scene where there it was. It was uh, eleven minutes long, and there were thirteen people mm, mm. sitting at a table. That was a whole act that everybody had to be covered. Everything yeah. you know, and yeah. yeah, the ensemble can be. Yeah, that's that's my worst. That's yeah. why I only. I kind of like do it. Do you? <laughs> yeah. oh, I. I uh, it, yeah. I tend to try try and stick it to to, to two people as if I can, yeah, yeah. possibly. Yeah. You know, even on strangers where you have four, it's 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 you know if you're it, it's fine. It just depends what the vibe is. But yeah, I, I mean, a lot of different egos can obviously be a big problem. I think. What's your favorite part of the process of filmmaking process? Is it pre-production? Is it working with actors? Is it creating the creatures? Is it building tension? Is it editing? Is yeah, it? Yeah, I I. I think there's nothing better than for me there's nothing more fun than when it's I'm doing something like uh a, a nod to Christine uh-huh. you know where I've got Tributes. the car yeah the car with burning car coming down a bridge uh and and it's just working yeah and I can see the scene and it's a horror scene and I can just see it just and that's the big kid in me. I'm like, holy fuck! I'm making Christine, and nobody's stopping me. <laughs> this is fucking great. <laughs> I'm getting away with <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> I'm getting away with it. And that I that I love. You know, there is nothing better than being on set. Yeah. There's nothing worse than being on set as well. You know, that can be. And yeah. it, the the stress and the tension because 
every day the potential to fuck it all up is there. It's because uh, you're walking a tight one. Yeah, and you can just you can destroy your movie on any given day, and that's that. What's your least favorite part of the process then? Uh, Script development is is, yeah. is is about as much fun as an enema. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, you haven't had the right enema, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, script development. I think once the movie's going, then, do you know, I'm even fine with... I lo- I've never had a horrendous time in post. I mean, 47 was horrendous, but once it got beyond... I'm never very good around the assembly stage and oh, all that. When uh, you see it all put together for the first oh, yeah, time yeah, and you yeah, think, yeah, yeah. gee, I'm no good at this. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I remember even, actually, I remember watching the assembly of strangers, of strangers and I invited James in, which I very rarely do have someone else in there as well. Especially the first time yeah, you're exactly. looking at I'm it. I'm never yeah. doing it. And it finished and I was like, oh, I'm fucked. And James <laughs> went, oh, that's really good. And I was like... Is it? And he's like, yeah, it was really good. I was like, oh, thank fucking Christ. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I like, I enjoy the post side because the, you know, as long as you've done your job, the the sort of, uh, you've done everything, you've got everything, you just got to jigsaw it together. Right. Um, but it must be, I've been very fortunate, especially luckily the movies have worked and I've worked with people that I've enjoyed working with and even... You know, even going through the whole Weinstein process and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which uh, is legendary. Which is, le- yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. has come to an end. Yes, uh, yes. At least for now. Yes. Um, uh, you did not have the eight, uh, the typical uh, Weinstein, Harvey Scissorhands experience? N- no, we, we had, Bob was pretty, um, was pretty on it, on the script. We were, right, Bob really handled the genre stuff. Oh, yeah, Harvey was nothing to do with it. No, yeah. it's just Bob. He was the Oscar guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But, and that was part of the thing. I remember chatting to Bob and he was like, uh, uh, he, he was like, yeah, we're down here in the trenches. And, you know, my brother is, is, is uh, doing the Oscars. Um, uh, and he... Um, uh, but he, he, would, he, uh, he had notes on... Um, he had notes on script... Uh, but you know, we went back and forward. It, it, it wasn't t- t- too crazy. And then filming, he didn't touch it. But he didn't have rights to the whole movie. He only had the US, and that's what saved ah, us. I think. Yes. And then we, and then, and then in post, in post, he was great. He gave us some more money to shoot more sharks. Um, and we went back and forward. He had some smart notes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he yeah, he really. Um, it's a funny thing having I was just having um, dinner with with some of the guys that used to work there the other night, and we were talking about it because uh, I don't know if you know the story that they dumped it, and it the movie came yes, out. Yes, it on, actually was it, in some Target in, stores in Target or Walmart and, yeah, yeah, or something it was out, it was out on, on DVD, DVD before yeah. the, the this is forty seven minutes now before yeah. it had come out. Yeah, yeah, um, and <clears> and it was funny. We were just chatting and just saying actually that you know because of Bob, we, you know, and the wine scenes and working with them, we had got the movie to the place that it then became so successful. Right. They just weren't the people that made it so successful. Right. So, so they, it, was gonna, it was being dumped on DVD, yeah. and then suddenly, wait, this yeah. is a theatrical. Yeah, yeah. That was and it was, how much did it gross? Uh, 65 Which million. is amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for an independent yeah, yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, we made that on four or five. 
And that cost four to five million bucks. Yeah, wow, yeah, that's yeah. quite an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, no, we 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 got nothing and, and made a lot, and I don't know where the money is because <laughs> I haven't got any of it. But yeah, yeah, but that's, that's always the, the way. I yeah, think these things. Uh, someone has. Well, tell me about your process when in pre-production. Do you storyboard a lot? Do you uh, shot list? Do you do it daily? Uh, how do you do you use pre-visualization? Um, no, I I mean all of those things are involved i i work with a, a company called frameforge who do like previs kind of stuff mm-hmm. so we we use that on strangers and always like 47 meters down they made me to be honest uh storyboard the entire movie wow the entire movie and how much of that zero. were you able to be faithful to you zero. threw it all out yeah basically. it didn't didn't yeah. use the they were beautiful storyboards but you know uh what you know shoot what, the storyboard yeah it's just there's no you you suddenly you're like okay well this is the <clears> shot and then you you put the camera in the water and then suddenly the camera like floating off because it's yeah. underwater and it's like well okay you know what the fuck are you gonna do you know and the actress is floating the other way and then but like, wait in the storyboard <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's right in foreground yeah, and yeah. she's back here three feet so, behind. and if you hold to that i mean if, yeah. if i'd held to that in 47 we would have I'd still be filming now. So flexibility is the key to making that kind of movie for you. Yeah, to me. And I, I'm very, I'm not, I never have been, you know, whether it's been schoolwork or whatever, I've never been someone that can ever sit down and plan. I could never revise for mm-hmm. exams or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm someone that is good under pressure and that's where suddenly I'm, I can make stuff happen. And so I, I mean, I do all these things. I storyboard and I shot list and I do all these things because it's people feel more comfortable seeing that kind of stuff. Well, you've also gone through the process so that you can have already considered it, yeah, and, then and then you set it, yourself free. In yeah, the that that kind of. I mean, I I certainly don't see any negative side to it. You know, and, and other directors. I don't know if you do storyboard yourself. Well, I, I rarely storyboard. The only time I do is when it's action sequences yeah. or effects sequences where yeah. everybody has to be on the same page. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm shooting something, I will shot list uh, the whole week's work on the weekend before. Yeah. But I will rarely ever look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've done the exercise. Yeah. And okay. I know how it's done. Yeah. But I think you can lock yourself into – uh, not being creative, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, to to be locked into. Oh, it needs to be done this way, yeah, and yeah. then you might miss out on a better approach. Yeah, when yeah. Some, it, when it you is. Get it's, a it's a it's a mix. I think yeah. it's a mix. Um, sometimes I, I tell you what I do now, which is what I did on um, straight in the pool sequence in Strangers, which people yeah. seem to have responded quite oh, well yeah. to. Is while we were setting that up because that was like. You know that was that's one of those reasons why you you know uh, certainly when you're doing a small movie you can never storyboard because the script is written for like uh, you know a motel pool you know right. like a little small pool right and and uh, and then the producers are like look we get a bigger tax break if we film in this part of the country <laughs> yes. uh, here let come have a look at this so the pool was shot completely separate to the trailer park. And you arrived there, and I arrived, and it was a three time Olympic, three times bigger than Olympic pool. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Not only that, the the entire side of it is is onto a river, Uh, so there's a river one side, so it's just black, and then the other side is just fencing, and this pool's enormous. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do here? Um, So you then just kind of you work it from there, and then while we were (coughs) setting setting stuff up. 
because uh, it's all shot night and it's summer, so there's long, long days. So while everything, all the lights are being set up, I what I did, and I've started to do this a little bit more and more, actually, is just film it on an iPhone with the doubles. Ah. Uh, and then cut it together. And I did it. I've got some great ones with 47 Metres Down with my writing partner, Ernest, where we're in a dance studio in London. And I've, we've just uh, we've got these two girls. Um, I can't remember who they were. We did, you know, they were just sort of stand-in actors. Two girls, and Ernest is a shark, and he's got a little plastic shark, and he's <laughs> running around, and I'm filming this on an iPhone, and he's this small Spanish guy, yeah, 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 running around, <laughs> being the shark, and we cut it all together. But do you know what it did? I since, in fact, other side of the door is the first time I did that, and then since since then, it, it's a really good, I find, way. Once, I, particularly once I've got the movie, um, so. I find the actual making movie process is like a battle. But then once that's done, particularly with horror, I love to be able to have the ability to go back and do pickups for a week and insert scary stuff because that, right. that's what it's all about. And if your story's strong enough, it can, it can withhold all these kind of great scenes that you add in. A lot of 47 metres down, the kind of big scare moments came from... Like, the whole end of that movie is... Mandy's in it, but I don't think Claire's in it. I mm-hmm. think it's all doubles. Mm-hmm. Like, I've gone shop that back afterwards with, with about five different people and just put this all together. And, all the bits and yeah, pieces. And yeah, and you just create this kind of... Um, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and, it, and it's fun then. I think with horror, you can really do that yeah. because it's all, about, it's all about the scares, you know. Yeah. But you need the, the structure of the story to work. When you're going back to try and save a movie that's not working, then that's maybe a different thing. But, yeah, um, which hopefully none of us have None of us. I've never yeah. had a movie that's not worked. And, <laughs> yeah, and nobody will tell me different. So <laughs> what is the ultimate movie? What, what do you really want to make? Is there a dream project that, yeah, that has um, been percolating? I, do you know what? I don't know anymore. I, I, I would have loved to have made it. Mm-hmm. Um, not the version of it that they have made, though. Right. Not that I, you know, I think Andy's fucking talented in that movie. It's no, it's just su- different su- visions. Su- super. I, I'm just so, um, I'm too precious about the King world. I think because I grew up with it, I'm so nerdy about it and stuff. So I'd love to do a really faithful King adaptation, and that would be a lot of fun. I'd love to do... I got to tell you, doing it when he wrote the scripts is yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. I mean, you've, well, how many have you done? Five? Four, I've done five? seven or eight, something seven like that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a, yeah. Uh, uh, which is your favorite? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I've talked about this a little bit before. I mean, The Stand was by far the most successful. It yeah. was the biggest miniseries ever and all that. Yeah, yeah. 50 million people a night saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the reviews. The Shining uh, got even better reviews. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, the Kubrick fans yes, yeah, 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 yeah. just absolutely hate that anybody did that. Um, writing the bullet was really personal because yeah. it wasn't page for page what the yeah, short yeah. story, which was only 30 pages long, yeah. was, but it was something that was very autobiographical yeah. and still shared that. So, there, as you know, they're all our babies. Yeah, it's, yeah, hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard to choose yeah, which yeah. one is uh, yeah, biblically yeah. <laughs> slaughtered. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. As far as I, I loved making The Shining. Did you? And okay. uh, yeah, that yeah. whole process, the script was one of the best things I'd ever read. Yeah. And King wrote the script himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And having him there for like – 
at least two thirds of the shoot. Yeah, yeah. was great. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you have a lot of money on that? But that would have been uh, that, that was twenty one million bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stand was twenty eight million, but it was eight hours. Yeah, but it was shot it on sixteen millimeter. Hey, fuck! No way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. what is the one king? Book that would most so if, yeah. If not it, if not it, I, I mean, I go into Sony probably once a month to uh, to persuade them to try and let me have Christine, and uh, no, nobody will, but uh, uh, just because I don't think they want to do anything. Well, so, at least you got to do strangers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and which put is exactly Christine the reason into it. I did. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, and I've got I, you know I'm so passionate about Hearts and Atlantis, right? Um, that I, I would love to do that. So I th- I'm imagining that will happen at some point. The, the problem with it at the moment is uh, is just like, you know, I walk into a room and people are like, okay, yeah, you've had a couple of hits. This is great. Uh, you've got a Stephen King thing? Great. He's the scary guy. You're the scary guy. You, this is brilliant. It's called Hearts and Land. Okay, wh- when when did the clowns come? And it's like, yeah, this one doesn't have clowns. No, you know how people that, are, I yeah. sure do, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's um, that's that's the tricky one on that. So I, I that, that that'll take some time. But so what is next? Um, so I've got um, I've got a few things I'm kicking around. I think what I'm actually going to do right now, literally right now, is uh, a ghost story underwater called "The Little Girl at the Bottom of the Ocean." Combining uh, all of your areas it, of expertise, yeah, and yeah. adding in um, adding in the uh, the unknown element of it, its VR. So, uh, so it's, it's for it's uh, a sort of twenty minute um, VR experience, but it's the first kind of narrative underwater piece that's been done for VR. Wow! Um, and it's about an oil diver who um, he's he's working on a, an oil pi- a pipe in the North Atlantic, and he looks up and he sees at the bottom of the ocean. He sees this little girl um, sitting in an airplane seat with an oxygen mask, just staring at him. And it's just like fucking. It's a freaky. It's going to be great fun. Um, but I, I mean, who the fuck knows if you can do VR underwater? But I think you can. You know, if we're anybody gonna, can, you'll yeah, do it. yeah. So we're going to try that. So I think that's we're going to do that now, which is going to be good fun. Um, and then I've got something called Thirteen O'clock, um, mm. which is uh, set during Day of the Dead, and it's um, it's Ooh. all it's all in coffins in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it's in set in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Thirteen um, O'clock's a great time. Yeah, and so I think that'll be cool fun. Um, and then there's 48 meters down, right. uh, or, or we were kicking out the idea of it being 147 meters down. <laughs> I'm not sure, um, but yeah. So deeper is be, better. Deeper is better. <laughs> it's the kind of thing. Bigger, deeper. Yeah. Bigger, deeper. Yeah. Sharper. Um, uh, yeah. So there's there's stuff around, and then it's just sort of reading and 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 seeing and you know seeing what ideas come and uh, and and um, you know. Pitching, I don't actually pitch too much. I tend yeah. to write a lot, so um, I'm the same way. I'd rather yeah. write it than pitch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, the pitching yeah. process is boring. It's isn't brutal. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. and boring. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah. I thank you for spending uh, your time with us and yeah, sharing yeah. all of this with us. And uh, yeah, Johannes yeah. Roberts, thank, thank you, you thank so you. much for being here. No, it's a pleasure. If you're enjoying Postmortem, it would be a great, great favor to us for you to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can access all of my video interviews and behind-the-scenes documentaries, things like that, at mickgarrisinterviews.com. Reach us on Twitter at PostmortemMG and on Instagram on PostmortemGram. Thanks a lot for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.